Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 106. That's 106 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I'm Mike and with me as always is Hannah. How are you this Saturday evening? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm still husky, but uh, I have more of a voice than I had yesterday. Yes, which is a mixed blessing. (laughs) No, I jest. Uh, I jest. uh, The last thing I need is... uh, being the only voice in the house with two children in it, so uh, <laughs> I'm glad to have you back. Um, but yes, we are back. We are talking about episode number three of season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode A Life Spent. Now, Hannah, would you like to tell our gentle listeners um, the uh, the talent behind this episode? Sure. I'll give you the very brief synopsis. It says, Daisy decides she will rescue Simmons, even though she must risk everything. Gosh. Um, It is directed by Kevin Hooks and written by Nora and Lilla Zuckerman. Excellent. Is that uh, the the director? I I do not recognise that name. And that's a... a, uh, Unusual one. Is that a a, a TV... He was Dwayne in Inner Space... Oh, really? Hmm. I feel like maybe he has directed one before, because I feel like we've had a I conversation. I feel like we've had this conversation. I'm getting, I'm getting a, a member berry uh, shaking loose. three episodes. Yeah, he did The Magical Place in season one. Wow, okay, that's going back. Afterlife in season two, and this one in season oh, gosh. five. So after a brief sojourn, or maybe a, a bad illness? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I am... Uh, Devoid of information on this one, uh, he has returned. Um, so, uh, so yes, we are. And when does uh, this air, Hannah? Oh, God, I oh, nearly went northern England then. When the dessert? When is Eighth of December, two thousand seventeen. Oh, kind of Christmassy. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, before we get into that, just um, and before we get into any listener comments or feedback, uh, a quick reminder about how you can participate in the show and have your voice heard. Uh, first and foremost, and probably. Uh, most crucially, you can email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to just send us regular typed up emails or you can send us voicemails. We would be happy to share both or either of those on the show. Uh, also, if you listen to us on YouTube, you can just send, put comments on there, uh, which we will be happy to share if it feels appropriate to do so, depending on the nature of the thing that you say, um, YouTube being the Wild West that it is. And also... Um, Basically, if it's anything nice. Yeah, well, no, not just if it's nice, but if it's... I mean, if it's no, just... No, but as long as you're if not it's just saying, high. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or you're not saying, like, death to whoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's an extreme example, Hannah. But, uh, but we are basically, talking... I'm going to read out most things. Yes, that's what um, I'm trying to say. Yeah, and uh, also uh, reviews um, and um, well, five star reviews ideally at Apple Podcasts, uh, formerly iTunes, and also on Spotify. Would be greatly appreciated. And please check out our friend shows, namely the Iron Sequel, his film, her movie, um, Chinstrucker versus Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards. Talk about rhythm, good, the bad, and the odd. Uh, also, check out we've started putting stuff out again on the Pod Syndicate YouTube channel. Um, I was saying to Hannah earlier on that I feel like I've just been churning out content this week. I was bloody editing a video for Noel earlier on today. Um, so, for example, I've put um, we've started doing this series called Front Row, which is um, commentary on uh, music performances. Yeah. Um, I put one of them up on our YouTube channel because they're a real hassle because what happens on YouTube I talked about this on Chinstroker versus Punter is if you use copyrighted material 
technically you can use that you can't monetize it you can use that under fair use if you're providing commentary on that there have been a few people uh, responding saying they've really enjoyed it oh cool well. um and you oh, i've lost my track now oh yeah so you you can use copyright material if you are commenting on it which is what we're doing so for example i did one on an elvis presley performance Noel's just done one on a fleetwood matt one and the idea is is that we watch the performance and we kind of you know review it talk about the sort of musical side of it but also provide a little bit of kind of historical context what's going on only short like 10 15 minute kind of things um but what happens on youtube is that you get immediately hit with not a copyright strike um but a this this either they say there's copyright material on this Mm. in which case you can't earn any money on it but the record company have said yeah we'll allow it or what usually happens is you'll get a thing back saying this can't be put on publicly because it's got copyright material on it. So part of the process is that you have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Refute. Appeal. Refute. Appeal. Uh, and basically you have to go in and say, I'm invoking fair use. I um, acknowledge that I don't own this material, but it is there is commentary on it so technically that means it's educational purposes and then what happened with that elvis presley video that i did was several days later um you they came back and got have gone yeah right yeah and then they release it right so you have to do that every time so it's a giant hassle so what i decided was well i don't want to subject our youtube channel to that we're not really using the pod syndicate one so i've said to noel and mark from um, Film Bastards wants to start doing these as well. Well, why don't we just use the Pod Syndicate channel for this? Yeah. And then we can all share the risk. So if we get a copyright strike, it's not us getting it, it's everyone yeah. getting it. Yeah. Um, so um, they've agreed, so we'll be doing those. So I would recommend to go over there. There's additional content. And also, there's loads of older stuff on there as well, like yeah. interview the Sharon and Fenn interview, but yeah. Donald Belisario, a lot of other geeky film and TV stuff the that I've done. Gora's on there. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of sort of um, geeky stuff that I've done on there as well. Uh, most of which, at some point, because it's all stuff that I've done, I'll probably download and put up on the um, Rewatch Project channel as well. It doesn't hurt to have it, yeah. all of the stuff in one place. Um, but apologies for that tangent, but I just thought that might be useful for people to know and check out as well. Cool. Um, so, Hannah, feedback. All right. Uh, this is on episode 105, uh, Orientation Part 1. Okay. Um, Silver Surfer says, want to give you both a shout-out for your amazing fan interaction. Love that played. Love that played that entire message. Uh, love that you played that entire message. Love that you played that entire message. I think it means uh, you both have created a place for a great community to dwell in their shared love for a project. Um, thank you, and I think that's kind of the goal ultimately. Yeah, isn't it? and and this is like we're just fans, like you guys are fans. So our opinion is no more. Or less valid than yours is so um i think we will always have a, a space for opinions to come through absolutely like, well, i never want to edit someone yeah um you know um yeah i would like everyone's opinion to be out there yeah yeah no i agree and i think it's it's one of the things that's nice about you know doing podcasts is exactly that you know is getting to sort of have a conversation with a larger group because sometimes you know I've gone through phases in my life where I've got lots of people around me in my real life who I can have these conversations with and I've gone through other phases in my life where I haven't 
Yeah. You know, and you turn to things like podcasts and message boards and um, fan communities to have that. And it's an urge. And I think that one of the things that I like doing in all of the geeky endeavors that I do is to not hold back, mm. is uh, there's no point in trying to play it cool about something that you're enthusiastic about. I think there's a lot to be said for just unself-conscious enthusiasm and positivity about what you like. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to be stupid about it or ignorant or, you know, denial. And we're we're always up for a critical discussion. Yeah, but but ultimately... I would rather spend my time talking about the things that I like. So you could be like, oh, you're always positive about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, well, that's one of why we chose to cover it. Yeah, because we love it. You know? Yeah. And and there are other shows where, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be the case, you know, where there are shows that I like, but there might be bad runs, you know. But but I'd probably not pick those shows because yeah. I wouldn't want to, you know... We're not, we're not into dwelling in stuff we don't like. No, there's a whole industry of snark. Mm. Um, you know, the... It's not us. Um, you know, is, uh, as Olivia Wilde recently said, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the internet can feed itself in that <laughs> regard. We don't need to contribute. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and also, I've learned heaps just from the feedback that's, well, that's the, Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. As well as pleasant, it's actually just bloody useful. Really informative, <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so Jack Dubs. Were you about to start talking and take a drink at yeah, the same time? Yeah, really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to go underwater. I was, I was sitting there thinking, how is she going to do this? Is she like a bloody ventriloquist? <laughs> if, or... if I did that and I kept talking, you it, that would have blown yeah. your mind. I, think I would, yeah. Well, you need to work on that, Hannah. Okay, I will. I haven't um... had my mind blown enough recently, so uh, get blowing, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jack Dubs. And we're back. Yes, an important of things to come. Ian was temporarily written out of the show so he could film a horror movie called Overlord. One can't help. Oh, I know that. That's the. Um, yeah, I know that film. It's that World War Two zombie movie. Okay, so one can't help think how this particular arc would have played out if he had been available from for the start of production. Would Fitz still be the one to be left behind? I guess we will never know. This episode is dark and strange, but as you highlight out at various points in the review, it is also incredibly funny. And it's a character-based kind of funny. We're in the Which hit- episode is this again, sorry? Um, Orientation 1, is it? Part 1, yeah. Um, wherein the humour comes from cumulative seasons of character interactions and growth. Yeah. I've already said just how much I love season five, but I might as well say it again. I love season five. <laughs> Good on you, mate. That's awesome. And I like that. The, the the cumulative, several seasons of a cumulative character development is, that's a great thing to have. Yeah. Again, some musical analogies. It's like a band that's played together for a while. Um, they can just jam, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, also on orientation part one, Silver Surface says, the cast and crew filmed this season with the thought it would be the end. Yeah. I enjoy it a great deal and look forward to these future discussions. Us too, mate. And I remember when we were watching it, because during the season, there was a feed that they said that they were expecting it to be the fifth season, but there was a possibility of more. It was very late in the run um, that it got renewed. And... I think that adds to it because the fact that Earth's been destroyed and all this, when it's the final season, 
you know, maybe it won't work out, or maybe it will work out in a way you weren't expecting. Yeah. And they'd already, there was already a suggestion that they'd veered off from the MCU at this point. So you couldn't even do the, well, the Earth hasn't been destroyed because it's still there in the MCU. It's like, well, if they've veered off from that, yeah. then, um, and also this is the future, so who's to say? You yeah. Know? Um, Silver Surfer says, Dork debate, Ben Matlock versus Perry Mason. Who wins? You know what? That's one of those ones where I think objectively Perry Mason but I'm of the generation where I'd have to say Matlock. Oh, I'm a Matlock all the way. In fact, I'd say neither. I'd say um, bloody um, Murder, She Wrote, Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> um, okay. Or Dick Van Dyke, Diagnosis Murder. <laughs> murder. <laughs> murder. Knife Murder. Knife Murder. Uh, okay, so on episode 106, uh, Orientation Part 2. Quincy. I'd go Quincy. <laughs> Jack Klugman. <laughs> okay, so on episode 106, Orientation Part 2, Silver Surfer says, We're all around the same age, and I can easily say we grew up around the peak dork era, 80s and 90s. Agreed. A hundred percent. Well, the yeah. thing is, I also, I think me being a little bit older as well, I've, Van Hannah, I should say, um, I can remember the summer of 82 and, and 1982 was the greatest year for film ever and I was nine it yeah. was per, I was nine the year it was the year of Tron and E.T. E. and Conan yeah. the Barbarian and just it, it, Blade Runner everything mm. it was just I mean you, you there's could, an actual thing about that there is there? Yeah, yeah yeah I mean there's there's a podcast that just covers films from 1982 there's a documentary coming out about the summer of 19... And there was, like, somebody... You had a out, listener write it, uh, send a voicemail in... Yeah. ...about your favourite year of film. Yeah, and it was... Yeah. I mean, Wrath of Khan, it was... But, but the thing was, there was, there was one particular weekend as well where I think... I think E.T., The Wrath of Khan, Conan the Barbarian, Tron and The Thing all came out. And it was like, I mean... That's like, I mean, that's insane. But the, I mean, this is the... Yeah, but this is this is before home video or... You know, you could have that many films coming out of the cinema, and it be enough. Um, it's just, it's just crazy to think yeah. that you know that it's it's a difficult thing because you don't want to sound like an old person saying things aren't as good as they used to be. But when you talk about that, I would say objectively, things aren't as good as they used to be in that yeah. regard. Um, okay, last comment from Jack Dubs. Mike, as a fellow Brit, you and I seem to have had very similar geeky upbringings. Yeah. Right down to visiting Star Trek, the exhibition. Mid-90s, I remember that. I saw it in Edinburgh in 1995. It was so cool. But but that, but like I, I used that as an example that time of of the peak of it. I mean, cause I remember it really clear. I was coming back from watching it. And then a couple of days later, it was, you know, the when the Trials and Tribulations came, we watched that. And it just felt like everywhere you went, there was just geeky stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like when a band that you like becomes mainstream and you are seeing them everywhere and it's and you're used to them just kind of being your thing. It was like that, you know. Um, I'd like to hear anybody's, anybody's really cringe-worthy uh, fan things. Like, I'll give you an example of one of mine. And I, I was telling a friend of mine about this the other day and laughing at how ridiculous I was. So um, I would have been uh, maybe nine. 
Yeah. Maybe 10 at a stretch. Um, and it was at the height of my Kylie Minogue obsession. Mm. Um, and um, uh, I, like, I was introduced to her through the locomotion. And then, of course, Neighbours started and I realised uh, she was in there. Um, so, of course... I thought she was the best thing since sliced bread. So I wrote to Grundy Television, who produced Neighbours. Um, you know, dear Grundy TV, I love Kylie Minogue, love Hannah, um, you know, and left my address and stuff. And, of course, some, I don't know, intern, intern <laughs> sent me a picture of Kylie Minogue um, that had been signed. Um, oh, and I got it, and of course I was absolutely beside myself yeah, excited. Um, but because I I don't have the cynicism of being an adult, I thought um, that I could write back to whoever had sent me this picture. So I wrote him a, a letter back, um, and and said, could they keep any cuttings that they had of Kylie, um, or any information that they might have and send it to me <laughs> um and you know of course i never heard from anyone ever again um but <laughs> i love that i was that naive to think that someone would be sitting there going hannah needs everything yeah. to do with kylie guys, guys we've got to shut down production for the afternoon we have we... got a hell of a job on our hands i mean presumably here. your mum helped you with this like with the letter and no no Really? I mean, she well, she posted it for me, but I wrote it. Like, it was all my wow. own work. God, I mean, I, I've got millions. I don't even know. I mean, I remember one that springs to mind because it's related to what I was just talking about was I remember my friend Mark Cobain bought a... He bought a Star Trek The Next Generation um, uniform. He got... But what you had to, you did back then, you know, like the, the red command ones that, like, Picard wore? Yeah. Like the tunic with the pips and all that. He bought one of... But, of course, you, all you'd buy is you'd buy the top... And then basically, you just put on black trousers and black shoes. Uh, and we'd all, I think everybody in the house already had a tricorder and a phaser. Because we just bought them just because we were just growing. It's just like we were in our mid 20s at this point. And I remember Mark wearing it. And we all had to try it. And we were looking in front of the mirror and going, and, it, and they, were, they were like screen accurate, like things. And I was like, I'm going to have to get one as well. And I got one. And I tried that on, and Mark tried it on as well, and we were like looking in the mirror and like, "Hey, this is so awesome!" <laughs> and then every so often, well, not every so often, most days we get home from work, we'd be sitting around, and I'd be like, "Should we buy a Starfleet uniforms?" And he's like, "Yeah, all right." And it was like you know, in Friends when they're wearing the wedding dresses, yeah, yeah. we just sit around at night in the uniforms, <laughs> just just enjoying the fact that every time we walk past the mirror, we'd see ourselves and be kind of like, "Ah!" Oh. And it, of course, we were both captains. I mean, you know, yeah. there's no point in being like, "No, no, I'm going to earn this. I'm, I'm going to earn. Said. I'm going to earn my pips, and we'll have a ceremony." I bet there are people who do that, of actually. Course, you know, where yeah. there's a, but um, and it was one of those things where it wasn't like we weren't going to like cosplay things. We weren't going to conventions with them for that. We were just wearing them because it made us happy. To look down at ourselves and see ourselves in the Starfleet uniform. It, it's like that episode of Parks and Rec where Ben's really depressed. Oh, and he buys the Batman costume. he buys the Batman costume and he's like sorting out the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and then he out at home wearing his full Batman thing. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, but uh, cool. Okay, well, should we watch this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? 100%. Um, episode 3 of Season 5, A Life Spent, this is called. So we're thank you to all of our feedbackers and we encourage those of you who haven't fed, fed back before to do so. Tell and, us. And, really embarrassing fan stories exactly yes that'd be great 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just there's no shame here. This is a safe no, space. It's it's a loving and gentle space. Absolutely. Um, and um, also we look forward to hearing from those we have heard from before again as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, let's do this. We shall be back shortly. Bye bye. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before all this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So we've just finished watching um, A Life Spent. Um, is A Life Earned. Which is the name of the next episode. Is it? See? Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, the third episode of season five of Marvel's Agents for S.H.I.E.L.D. Hannah, as is tradition, initial thoughts? I loved it. it it's just... Um, I'd forgotten how quickly the episodes just build upon each other and... It gets so um, layered and and intricate and dramatic so quickly. Mm. Um, I just thought it was really solid, and um, there's so many startings of things like um, um, obviously Daisy sort of worrying a bit about her quake persona and. Um, but you know, more, more concerned with trying to get her team back together. Yeah. Um. You could see a look on Max's face when he has suspicions that Yo-Yo's planted evidence on that guy. At the end, that he's feeling like she's um getting corrupted. Maybe. Mm. Um. I didn't pick up on that actually. You see the? Did you not notice the way he was looking at her? No, but I'm not questioning it. Uh, I'm just um, reflecting on how unobservant I am. um, I just like. I mean, they linger on him looking at her because Max almost naively, well, he's like moralistic sometimes, isn't he? Yeah, and it's kind of like you need somebody like that in the team, but you do need counterpoints. Yeah, you know, otherwise you'll just do the, the. the right stupid thing all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he'd just given that big speech in the um, ship about how they have a code that they live by and yeah. it's, it's all very one life is not expendable for somebody else's and then she basically shits all over it's that. It's funny when they talk. he talks about how, you know, we're S.H.I.E.L.D., we don't do that. It's a little bit like when Worf talks about the Klingons and you're like, yeah, but you're the only people who live by that code. Yeah. It's like everyone else that we've seen in S.H.I.E.L.D., is either Hydra or a douchebag. And it's, it's the same, it's like Worf always talks about the honour of the Klingons. He's like, dude, you are literally the only honourable Klingon. I mean, I'm, I I think that's what happened. Like, I think Yo-Yo planted it on him. I can't, like, there, 
Well, didn't she say earlier in the episode he's got a gun? They have a conver- they had no, a con- they well they said he's got a gun in his office, um, and then there was that um, discussion about how um, humans aren't allowed weaponry. Oh right, yeah. Um, so the implication being that she knew that there was a gun there, and has nipped out and got it. Yeah. Um, you know, in one of her super super speedy yeah, yeah. turns. I guess she, she must have, because how else would she have known that he had one? Yeah, but if he they had haven't one. explicitly said that she planted. Yeah, no, no, I understand him. what you're saying. You're but, saying that, yeah. that, that, that it, I think you inferred it from the expression yeah. on the yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's what happens, but um, I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just I just thought it was a great episode. About you, yeah, I realize. I think one of the things that's interesting is that because apart from our recurring characters, everything's new, it means that um, we're learning everything, yeah. everything, and there's so much new information. But also, you know, in previous seasons, you know, you've got Mace, you've got um, Talbot, you've got um, all of these sort of like uh, the Pat Oswalt characters, you know, whereas here. Everybody is new, so they can play with allegiances and who the audience trusts, yeah. and, all, and there's just a much greater room for that. Um, the other thing as well, I mean, it's funny, I noticed that this is, I think, the lowest rated episode of the season, which bodes well, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this was, you know, back before IMDb was, um, you know, overrun with uh, review bombing, oh, right. you know, okay. um, that wasn't a thing back yeah. then. So you know, you might disagree or disagree, but it was a fair consensus. It wasn't, you know, and hate still groups kind pretty of pretty solid on eight point one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I think that's promising. But uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the one thing about this season that I think I think I remember, and this happens with all seasons of Agents of Shield. I remember it happening a lot with the season when they they spend a lot of time at Rancho Relaxo as well. Is that I think that when I think of this season, I actually think more of the first half of the season because I'm thinking, well, hang on, how can this storyline last? I mean, we're only three episodes into twenty-two episodes. Yeah. How do they sustain that? And I won't say anything, obviously, because it's a spoiler. But I was looking when I was looking at the scores on IMDb I didn't read any spoilers ahead because although I've seen it before I don't want to ruin it you know you've got those little thumbnail images and I saw things for later on in the season and I remember thinking oh okay oh, so that's, that's this season so I think that a lot of things that I th- I think the storyline that I thought ran for the entire season actually doesn't run for the entire season well, that's that's a bit like season three when um, you know all the planet Maveth stuff yeah. that I thought lasted far longer than it did. I mean, that got all wrapped up and done and dusted in the first And the stuff, I, I also looked, I saw a couple of thumbnails from season six as well, and I think that the stuff that happens in season six that I thought was in season five as well. Right. Okay. So I'll be curious to see, because I think that, um, you know, the stuff that happened in this episode that I remember being really far into the season, like I, I, I remember thinking that all, that the, you know, Gemma being sort of taken... Uh, you know, into the uh, into the 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 Cree fold was later. The other thing I know about this episode as well was, um, you know, how much of the Roman stuff is in there. And obviously, you've got the gladiator, but you've got the kind of, I mean, 
even the hair of the Cree guy looks, he has that bowl cut that you yeah. expect. And when they're sitting up there, you know, you expect them to be like he's eating food, it may as well be grapes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, it Rather feels martini for, with olives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it just, it, it, I'd forgotten how much um, they elicit that kind of um, Roman decadence. And um, the um, sort of the bumwifery side of it, you know, like paying for. Um, selling people and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, like there's obviously some political stuff in terms of Cassius's standing versus uh, the woman yeah I and that's I mean at least in fiction or fictionalized historical stuff that we see there's always that idea of you know status um, as being part yeah. of that kind of and Roman... that's something that um uh, is in Babylon 5 as well like um, you know the fact that Londo he has this post at Babylon 5 which is kind of it's kind of a shitty post well the idea is is that their best user behind it. I love that line in the pilot that was the moment I remember watching Babylon 5 where I was like oh this is going to be good is when he's talking about how um, he's like my god man we've become a tourist destination yeah. you know he talks about how he's like come to visit the great Republic open nine to five earth hours, you know, it's like that kind of, uh, yeah. um, but, um, yeah. And so, so, and, and that's a classic science fiction thing. The idea of basing alien cultures on different eras and earth cultures, mm. you know, like for example, um, you know, obviously the Romulans in Star Trek are a good example of that. And the Ferengi are obviously based on capitalist societies. Mm. And, you know, you've, you you often get this where you're like, oh, okay, they're obviously based. And the, the, the thing is, it's a bit of a shame in the sense that you kind of don't get that anymore now because I think people see that as being offensive. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that's like racially profiling. It's like, well, it's not because we're not actually saying it. They're basing it on the, the myth, yeah. you know, but... Uh, but no, I, I thought this was a really solid episode. And I think the thing that helps it is that even though this is a slightly quieter episode than the first two, because they were the first two, I think that one of the things that's clever about the idea of this season, and not even the science fiction elements of it, but just the idea of the characters being completely removed from it, the usual environment, is it just means that even when there's a lot, hap- not a huge amount happening, it's interesting and fresh mm. because it's new to the audience as yeah, well. And, it's and the characters are in a different environment. Yeah, it's interesting seeing them um, kind of navigate that unknown space. And, um, and not having resources. Yeah, exactly. And, and just the way they've written them to kind of, um, like you see um, Coulson and May... Um, exploring their more emotional side together, like when he puts his hand yeah. on his shoulder, and and you know, I think if they'd been in a more shieldy environment, <laughs> yeah. well, just somewhere they've been before, yeah. I don't know if they would have either of them would have let themselves get emotional like yeah. that. Well, there's no point in trying to stick to protocol mm. when everybody's but dead so far out outside the bounds of it yeah, yeah 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 exactly all right well hang on let me just um do my usual hunt for the phone and uh he's always directly behind me at uh what's it called six o'clock it's at six o'clock mm-hmm. um 
So uh, basically, up your bum. It's up my bum. The actress who plays Tess really reminds me of Nora Jones. Yeah, like a, a she breaks into some smooth jazz. Yes, um, I was about to start singing a Nora Jones song, again, but then I thought I don't know a single Nora Jones song. I waited till the sun. The sun. I still don't know don't a Nora Jones song. Hey, Hannah, shut up! <laughs> um, don't know why. <laughs> we we open up with uh, Gemma's POV. We get this, the whole sort of um, earworm. Um, where you know you get the feeling basically she's she's only allowed to say and hear the only thing I thought was slightly off was that was a bit inconsistent in this episode there were loads of moments where she was like no don't do that where I'm like surely they'd have her in silent mode at this point like when the dignitaries are around well I don't think it's that she can't speak well no, he, he, they can control her because like the bit where she's talking at one point and he's like silence and she goes and you see the fog come over her again so I don't know yeah, why but that's, that's because they'd um, click the remote for her to be able to hear and then not hear. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and, and talk. I don't think it means she can't talk. No, no, there's one bit where he says silence and she can't talk. And I thought it just meant No, that, he did both. I, when, I, when, 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 I never got the impression it was about no, whether she could when, speak. When they switch it on, she can't hear or talk. And then when they switch it off, she can do both. Now, I thought it was odd that there's certain points in the episode where... They haven't got her. They haven't got the that mechanism activated, where it feels like they would. Like there's bits where she'll be there and she'll have the you know that POV and she'll be silent and can't talk and can't hear. And then there's other bits where she's just like the dignitaries around. And she's talking, and I'm just like, that's weird. I I think I don't know if you're right about. No, no, that. you must have missed the bit where that happened. They could. No, he he says silence. I, I remember. You're talking well, about. Well, then, why are you disagreeing? Because I think it's only her hearing. I don't think. Well, then, why can't speech. she talk? She's she's literally can't talk. She's trying to, and she can't. But she wasn't trying to. She was. She was like overcome with the fact that she couldn't hear anything. He said silence, and she couldn't talk. Uh, I. She was like, and I. And he was like silence, and she went like that, and couldn't talk. It's clear as day in the episode. I am I'm rarely this confident about something, but I'm absolutely certain that she was unable to talk then. And then there's bits God, later I on the episode. You're wrong now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um but anyway, we see um it, this is a bit where I was thinking a little bit about the Roman Empire where you see him having a conversation with some of his lackeys and he says, you know, he's talking about, oh, I hear it's quite fashionable in the capital and all this kind of stuff. It's all, it's all very, yeah. you know, uh, and that Roman decadence. We see him as an envoy coming. Uh, he tells Gemma that they have a problem. Uh, we see Grill uh, working everybody really hard um, and they, they zap uh, Yo-Yo and Mac. Um, and he basically says to them, look, you guys, whilst you guys owe me, I own you. Until you've been, you know, worked it off, Is and it- and you get the impression that Max being hot headed and stuff, but then he sort of admits that he was doing recon to see kind of what they're up against in terms of yes. what's in his office. I think it's interesting that Deke talks about the multiverse. Yeah, it's like it's a really early yeah, kind yeah. of uh, MCU reference to that, um, and they even mentioned six one six later where on. Where is this in the? Films. Where does this sit? Um, well, what year was it made? 2017. December 2017. Okay, hang on. This was just before Endgame. Was it? Yeah. Right, okay. 
Um, well, no, sorry, just before Infinity War. Yeah, so we see um, Gemma goes to speak to Abby, the Inhuman, who we see is going to be part of some kind of performance, and uh, there's this, uh, a strong urging that she masters her power, otherwise there'll be mm. some unforeseen unpleasantness. We see Grill being suspicious of the crew because he knows, well, he thought that Virgil was on the take and he associates them with Virgil. Yeah. Um, we get a reference to 616. Yeah, I like that. I mean, not in the same context that they use it, but I, I, I get the feeling that, and I'll be curious to hear from Silver Surfer on this, this might be a conversation to have later on, but I do know that there is a feeling that the... The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was in the 616 universe, which is the MCU, the prime one, mm-hmm. but at some point it branched off, and I wonder if this is the point. Right. Because obviously we've jumped to the future, mm-hmm. and if they jump back to the past, they will be on a different timeline. Yeah. So I think that maybe when they're talking about 616, but they're, they're not talking about it in the sense of it being a... For those who don't know... There's all of these different timelines in, in um, Marvel. In the same way that with Star Trek, you've got the Prime timeline, the Kelvin timeline, and all this mm. kind of stuff. And the idea being is that 616 is the main timeline. Yeah. Uh, and the, all the other ones. So, for example, um, the oh, what's the name of the kid who plays Spider-Man? Peter Parker. No, the kid who plays Spider-Man. Oh, Tom Holland. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the idea being that the Tom Holland Spider-Man is the 616 Spider-Man and the Andrew Garfield of the Tobey Maguire are the other ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he just rolled his eyes at me, and, and I I suspect that the reason that they dropped 616 in here was almost as a coded reference that at this point they're branching off. Yeah. So I feel like everything from here onwards is on a different timeline to mm-hmm. to the MCU. Right. Okay. Uh, that could be completely baseless, but it, it, I think it scans. Um, so I like again Mac being Mister Movie talks about when they're going into space. He's like, I don't want to go where no one can hear you scream. Obviously, yeah. that's the tagline for Alien. You know, where where no one can hear you scream. Uh, t- um, the tough goes on the run uh, on the run with them to make sure that they didn't do anything who, suspicious. Who kind of looks like Max Evil Twin? He does a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. looks a little bit like Sid Haig as well, the um, the B movie actor. Um, he says to May that maybe their dis- destiny is there. You know, he's saying like, because May's like, you know, you're being a bit defeatist, and he's like, well, no, maybe, maybe we were meant to be here to save these people, not to go back and save our people. You know, I love the fact that she goes, "You're being fatalistic." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's coming from May as well. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I like it because it's like it's her way of kind of giving him the slap and saying, "Snap out of it." Mm. You know, I like the fact that she acknowledges the ridiculousness of the fact that they're in a TV show as well. Because she's like, we've gone from one thing, to, we've gone from this to this to this to this. She's like, I think I've earned a night in my own bed. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a great way of putting it. It's because so many, so many TV shows that happens. It's like, if you look, like the original Alien films, for example, she literally gets Alien ends. She gets put into cryogenics, wakes up. 50 years later, then Aliens happens, then she goes back into cryogenics at the end of that day, wakes up, and then Alien 3 happens. God, she's having a so real shit time. She's just it. like, I have literally just had a trilogy occur to me in the... Uh, <laughs> uh, Grill thinks that Yo-Yo's metric is on the fritz, but it's all part of a plan so she can uh, do a legger. Yep. Uh, that would be her superhero name if she was British. 
Legger. <laughs> your fat legger. Uh, or peg it. <laughs> peg it. Yeah, Come over here, peg it. Um, pig, pig. Yeah, we see that there's something hidden in the little globe that uh, Virgil had. Um, it's a knob. It is a knob. Um, and it reveals a radio. I was convinced that when they got back and they unscrambled the audio that it was going to be Fitz. Yeah, part of me thought it was too. Um, because I thought, well, why else would they hide the identity of the voice if yeah. it wasn't somebody? So I was really surprised when it wasn't. And I thought they could get him to phone that in from the film set in bloody Prague or wherever he was, or the UK or whatever. Um, so I like the reference to Hungry Hungry Hippos as well, the, um, because it is exactly what they look like. Mac knocks what, the tough what out. Was the, when was that? You know, when they're all stuck to the wall and they're all trying to grab the gun oh yeah and he's just like well you guys were playing hungry hungry hippos <laughs> I was like, and Coulson was like I'm sure it looked cooler than that um, and one of the things that I think they sell really well is the idea that anybody who fights back will be punished you know this whole sort of um, if we kill one of them or if one of them disappears then they're going to kill ten of us I think that's a really potent threat mm. because that's not something that you can because usually the good guys can just beat people up or shoot them and to have that kind of removed from the arsenal and meaning that it mean what it means that it's much more of a stealth mission that they're on mm-hmm. than normal and i think that's interesting you know and i it it's interesting seeing them explore that thing that it's not them that are going to feel the pain it's everybody else yeah like um and they're such do-gooders that that works on them. Yeah. You know? Well, it works on most people, and and you know the um, the girl who goes through terogenesis, she's not worried about herself, but they've told her her family will yeah. suffer. Um, and that's kind of the theme of the whole episode is that they're worrying about um, how other people are going to be affected. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Um. So we see Gemma help Abby with her power. Deke tells Daisy to play the long game. Mm. Um, they see that they suspect that the transmission that they've received is from the surface of the sort of scorched earth. Nora Jones wants to dump the guy into space. Um, and we see the dignitaries visit Cosias uh, and the gladiator come out. Um, Gemma goes to help, but old blue balls warns her off. Um, <laughs> the, the girl eventually beats the warrior and, you know, proves the, the, the value. It's nothing like a hand through the stomach to really. Yeah, that'll do. That's pretty, pretty, pretty gory as well. Yeah. Um. We, so and they sell the girl as well. After she visits the I don't know the hydroponics wing or whatever it is, that um, Daisy hides in the lift. Uh, I love her. I really thought this would work. <laughs> kind of line as well. Nice little fight sequence as well. You know. Yeah. Can't beat a nice fight sequence in a lift. That's definitely an MCU gotta, thing. Could love her, a lady running up the wall and flipping yep. over the top of. And the she does later. She does the her. classic landing oh, yeah, position yeah. as well, doesn't the she? Fist on the ground. And, uh, yeah. yeah. That's how I do everything. That's how I get out of bed in the morning. That's how your son does everything. <laughs> too. Yeah. Tess takes the blame when Grill captures them when they return. And this is where they dob Zeb in, yo-yo dob Zeb in for having a gun. Yeah. Um, Daisy does a the textbook superhero landing. There we go. Uh, we see Cassius captures Daisy and Deke, Deke seems to have sold her out as a weapon of mass destruction. And it's funny as well because they keep calling her Quake Destroyer of Worlds. And that's obviously Oppenheimer, you know, Oppenheimer, yeah. uh, 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 I am Destroyer of Worlds. And yet we were talking about Oppenheimer loads last season because of Radcliffe yeah. and all of that. So it does seem that that's... Oh, Woody for Oppenheimer, <laughs> what can I say? 
the, the, this is where he says he says I'm playing the long game as well so it's a nice little callback um, we get the post credit scene which is what, the scene that we saw at the end of the last season yeah um, of um, which I'd completely forgotten about uh, where Phil's like you know he's, he's like enough sightseeing Phil let's get back to work and they get the signal um, and they send people to the surface this is a typo yeah, uh, to die <laughs> it's a little bit like that's a classic sci-fi thing like in Judge Dredd, it was always like, send people out into the forbidden zone or whatever. Yeah. But in here, you see these kind of raptory looking things uh, yeah. attacking. But uh, so, but the real cliffhanger is Deke selling, selling Daisy, Daisy out. out. And, and, uh, and the fact that they get, the, they get the recording working so they can hear, yeah. um, hear the what message. it says. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts, Hannah, before we wrap things up? Yeah. Uh, note just that i really want to uh get on to the next episode i feel like we're going to be podcasting every couple of days just because it's just so good yeah and how watched another x-files by the way yes the i did I, I watched um squeeze number three squeeze and i lived to tell the tale did you enjoy i did enjoy it it was good yeah. um and yeah it's about as scary as X-Files gets, Sally, so if you can cope with that, there you'll be fine. There were a couple of moments I said to Mike that I had to cover my eyes. But do you see what I mean, though, about how, although it's a little scary, it's it's quite pulpy? Yeah, so I, you kind I wasn't of, too worried about, like, the real-world application. Yeah, it, it, it does enough yeah. of, of a kind of genre-y division. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, um, but no, do you see what I mean about how... There is a bit of Mulder and Scully stuff that you kind of need to see about their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the sort of the whole loyalty yeah. and the whole kind yeah. of yeah. I think I think you needed to see it, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, that is us for now. Um, we will be back shortly with the next episode. Quick reminder that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com, Apple Podcasts and Spotify reviews. Check out our friends' shows, our YouTube channel as well, and the Pod Syndicate YouTube channel. Uh, so just go on and just do a search for that. I believe that is everything. So, Hannah, what are we talking about next time? So, the next episode is A Life Earned. Um, it says Coulson and the team discover their captors' true intentions. Mm. Directed by Stanley M. Brooks and written by Drew Greenberg. Oh, good. Should be good then. Uh, yep. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, that's us for now, and we will see you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.